This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Alrighty. Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for uh, joining. Um, one announcement, maybe two announcements, but one announcement for sure, is that there is a new initiative. Um, I already posted this on our WhatsApp uh, our WhatsApp chat. And by the way, you know this WhatsApp chat, there's really a lot that I want to share um, on it, but I've been holding myself back because I don't want, you know, people get bombarded with information and they don't... Uh, um, I still might do that, but I don't know. As of now, I'm going to hold back. I have been sharing more more recently, but we have shared this particular aspect where if uh, somebody wants to adopt a hostage, that means is that you 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 ask this person. Uh, right now, it's being run by Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi. It was before it was run by somebody else, but now it's been run by him. Um, and um, the idea is that each person gets one hostage, and you pray for that hostage. So I have my hostage. My wife has her hostage. That she, uh, I know that sounds a little bit weird, by the way I said that, but it's who uh, you daven for and you pray for. So anybody that does want to join, please email adopthostage at gmail.com. So I'll spell it out. A-D-O-P-T-A-H-O-S-T-A-G-E at gmail.com to, uh, to dive in for, uh, for a hostage. <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, beginning. Well, actually, really continue continuing on our, I guess, the current events that we've been dealing the past uh, few weeks. And I do want to emphasize one of the reasons that I have been speaking about this topic consistently um, is because, you know, everybody, people can say you shouldn't look at the news. It's going to, but the bottom line is the people that are going to look at the news are going to look at the news. You, you can't, you can't stop it. What I am trying to do is to try to put a little bit of a twist to show, look at the, when you look at the news when you hear and that's what i really bring out a lot of the current events and that is to try to show everybody and hopefully to teach everyone for themselves that to, when you look at the news you look at it from a little bit from a different angle from uh, the light of torah as opposed to the light of whatever whoever is reporting uh the news at the time whether it's secular non-jew or even a religious uh jew so <clears throat> With that being said, many Jewish people, if not most Jewish people in the world, at this point in time, and the 19th day of this uh, war post this massacre, uh, I believe we can safely call ourselves journalists because everybody knows everything that's going on. Everybody's on like 75,000 different WhatsApp chats, different, you know, looking at different uh, uh, news networks, trying to figure out what's going on on the second, whether it's healthy or not. I think that's the question. The answer is obvious that it's not healthy. But but for whoever is continuing to do that, we came to a point in our, that our days are just filled with just news coverage and what's uh, what's going on. And uh, you know, it, it most of the time, in fact, what news generally brings you is depression. It doesn't bring you anything. Well, I shouldn't say depression because no one should be depressed. But it brings it's like sad information. There's no you know like positive information uh, that usually goes on the news. So. With that mindset, when something that we we we, we touched upon uh, last week is where the world is holding and what the world the viewpoints are and how they are more focused more towards the uh, murderers side as opposed to the you know Israeli side. They're more focused towards evil as opposed to being more focused to, towards uh, towards good. So <clears throat> we, we kind of seeing the world having a divide and people are choosing sides and the the essence the more that we continue with this the more that we see that it reveals people's true identities it shows people's true colors of what they really felt all along and the way in generally works is that when someone's pushed into a corner a person's true colors tend to come out uh you know we have our inner core, our feelings, our understandings, our main beliefs that is core inside each and every single one of us. Jew, non-Jew, doesn't matter. Everybody has their core beliefs. 
we get sidelined with the world and we get, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say if the world word is confused, but we, we kind of lose focus of what our core beliefs are. And every once in a while, there is kind of a wake up call where our core beliefs are just like shoot out of us and be like, okay, this is really what's going on. And this is my true belief. And that's really where we're standing on in, in, in this day and age and our time where there was so much that was going on that just like, Push people into a corner, and now their their beliefs came out. That their core essence came out of who they are. And just to give you an example, uh, um, to understand this a little bit more clearly, when you have a person, you know, when they're on their deathbed, they have usually regrets. They have usually things that they want to change. Their inner, the things that really were important, all of a sudden become very, very clear. Like if somebody was a workaholic, all they think about is like, not that, oh, they could have put more hours in the office. They don't think about, or oh, I could have made more money. What they think about, maybe I could have spent more time with my family. Maybe I could have done more chesed. And the other things I think about is what my spiritual requirements are in my life, that I was placed on this earth, that I fulfill that. Meaning all of a sudden we have things that come out that is the true essence, our true focus, and really what's our inner, inner real you know, being of what we really want comes out during those those difficult times. And now during this difficult time, all of a sudden, that inner belief comes out. And that's why you see people all of a sudden that weren't so religious and they're coming out, they're becoming more religious. You have people that never, you know, put on tefillin, all of a sudden they're putting on, uh, you know, tefillin out because the inner core of what they really believe that came out, uh, they were unfortunately covered with a bunch of klipot. They were covered with, with distractions. Now, the Gemara in Erevin tells us that that a person is uh, um, defined, understood, uh, ascertained by three things. In his cup, in his pocket, and in his anger. Now what I want to try, what I would like to try today is to give five different lessons. Five different things that we could take away and what we can do better ourselves. So let's be, and and this is the first three. So let's try to understand this. What does it mean when Gemara says that a person is defined by three things? That that you can ascertain a person's personality, a person's inner core by three things: by his anger, by his cup, and by his uh, by his pocket. So, by his cup, that's referring to liquor. If a, when a person gets drunk, when a person drinks, his the wine goes in and the secrets come out. All of a sudden, you can really tell a person's essence when he, uh, you know, when when he or she when they drink and they get intoxicated. And that's why you see the big tzaddikah, the big dilem, that if they go and they drink, what are they? they all they say, all they speak about is Dvar Torah. They're only learning about Torah. Yet when you see the opposite, when you see low lives, when you see people that don't do anything with their lives and they drink, what happened? They speak about nonsense. They speak about, you know, sometimes nonsense is a positive thing. They speak about worse than nonsense because that's their essence. That's who they are inside. Be, that that's because in his cup because in his anger when a person gets angry they can't think rationally anymore it's just whatever is inside of them if a person is used to using foul language if they get angry it just slips out they can't control it because that's who they are inside it just pops out yet if a person is a good person inside and they get angry that anger is very different from a vulgar person's anger that anger is very different from a you know abuser style anger so it defines who you are basically it it removes any any like uh uh um protection or blockage that a person may put on themselves to prevent them from really being who they are but these two things are things that they they kind of remove at and the final thing is a bit kisai in his uh, pocket and that is when it comes to money now people could have could talk big people could say that they want to do a lot but at the end of the day what happens when when it comes into your money what is it are you going to go and you're going to give getting to give money are you going to go and you're going to help others or are all is it all ju- just a talk so now let's go and break it down and how it relates to what we're dealing with today and what are the lessons that we can take away from it. So number one, the cup. The, 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 and that is the, the, uh, you know, the intoxication. The essence of this is really self-control. Whenever somebody is able to hold it or can't control their liquor, it's, it's, uh, it's where they have this 
like lack of balance between their physical and their spiritual sides. They have the, they don't have that self control. Besides the fact that a person doesn't know when he can stop or when, when she can't stop and she drinks too much, that's a whole nother story. But the essence really is is where do you have that that you lose that self uh, that self control and how it relates to where we're dealing with now. Uh, this is something that I spoke about. I don't think we, we ever recorded this, but I gave classes a long time ago about meditation. And one of the ideas of meditation is that you're able to take a mindset, you're able to take an emotion and so kind of transfer it to a different place. Meaning that you could go and, and bring yourself, let's say, to a sad state because of scenario A in your mind. And then you could take that emotion and transfer it to scenario B. So meaning that if you have, for example, you're, you're in scenario A and it's a very emotional and you start getting sad and you're starting to cry, you're able to take that emotion and now transfer it into tefillah, into prayer. That's like a positive way of, of controlling your emotions. So what does it have to do with, with nowadays? We're so filled with information. We're so filled and it's only human. It's only normal that you come and you're reading the news or you hear something and it, it's just every once in a while it just hits you like a ton of bricks and you start breaking down and you're like, you know, it, it, it's hard. You, you know, everything that's going on in the world and you break down. Now the question is, do you stop for a second and say, okay, you know what? Let me just cry and cry and just let it out. Or do you stop and say, you know what? Let me transfer this emotion and let me use it for Tehillim. Let me transfer this emotion and use the first the control that we're referring to over here is that it's bound that you're going to be utilizing your emotions. Everybody has in touch with their emotions. Unfortunately, some people watch you know movies and they waste their emotions on that. But if you're using your emotions and you're coming to tears, do not waste those tears. Use those tears. Control those tears and use it for tefillah. I'm not saying don't cry, cry, but at least dive into Hakadosh Baruch Hu and help for whatever it is that that it's going the going for in the world, or even help for yourself, dive in for yourself. But utilize those tears control those tears and the next time and this is lesson number one next time that you come to tears next time that you have some sort of strong emotion even if it's not tears stop whatever you're doing and transfer that control that to utilizing for the good and utilizing it for prayer utilizing it for tefillah that's lesson number one lesson number two this is regarding the anger aspect the why does a person get angry what, where does anger come from? Anger come from, like, I can't believe that this happened to me. Why did this, let's say somebody, A, did something to you. You, you're, when you get angry, you're saying, I can't believe that A did this to me. After all that I did to him, how dare he do it to me? As, you know, A, B, and Z, whatever the, re- the reasoning is, you're upset because you feel like someone wronged you. And many times, rightfully so, that you get upset and you get angry. But where does the essence of anger come from? It comes from the fact that you think, in your mind, that person A did it. But really, we know that person A didn't do it. it. Really, he was a messenger from HaKadosh Baruch Really, Hashem did it. God did it, and he was the messenger. So when we get angry, and that's why the Gemara tells us that when someone gets angry, it says, if they worship Avodazar, if they worship idolatry. What, why if you're, you get angry, it's as if you worship idolatry, because what you're really saying is God doesn't exist, God doesn't have the power. Because if you really believed in God to the full extent of what God really is and the true power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you would have realized that if someone wronged you, you would have realized it's not that person, it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And by not realizing that, meaning that you're worshipping somebody else. Who are you worshipping? You're worshipping yourself. The idol that you're worshipping when you're getting angry is none other than yourself. So when we realize that God controls everything, then that anger dissipates. We, we realize that anger is not the right emotion. And just like God controls everything, as difficult as this is to understand, God controlled the massacre. God controlled the torture that the Jewish people went through. God controls and controls all the people that are siding with the terrorists that makes no sense. We have to do our ishtadlas, yes, whatever that means to each person on their own, we have to do our effort to do what we need to do. But anger, that's a no. Ishtadlas, yes, anger, no. And that's lesson number two. To focus on where we place our anger, where we place our blame, to realize where the true source of everything is. And not that we're allowed to get angry at HaKadosh Baruch Hu, But when we get angry, we're showing that there is no HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When you read the news and you start like, how can this imbecile even say such a thing? Like, how can people even believe such a thing? They have to be idiotic. They have to be crazy. They're not all the brave. And you start getting angry. But we have to stop ourselves for a moment and say, you know what? This is not a reason to get angry. And I don't know if you're following with us so far, but the lessons that we're going to be 
trying to present tonight, Bezrat Hashem, is ways that you're going to be able to deal with the news and the situation. The ways that you're going to be able to reduce your anxiety, because we all know that many people, I, I, nonstop, I hear about how people are anxious about what's going on. People in America, people in England, people in South Africa, people in Israel, from all over the, not just where the war is happening. So these are strong lessons that we have to take really, really seriously. And I really feel that it could change your mindset and it could change your ideology. And not only that, it could change the way that you relate to Akadosh Baruch in such a fantastic way. So again, lesson number one was self-control. <clears throat> Utilizing those emotions for the benefit. It's so powerful. when you're. If you just cry, people feel good after they cry or whatever, you know, to each their own. You know, like for, for girls, I just need to cry. I just need to let it out. Fine, do your thing, whatever it is. But if you take that cry and you use it for the benefit and you use it for the good, that like, I just need to cry. I just need to let it out. It's like a thousand times greater. Forget about the power. I'm talking about for your own emotions, how you feel. So again, lesson number one is control. What's the control? Control that when you have the emotions, utilize it for the benefit. Lesson number two is the anger aspect. When you get angry, when you get upset, when you're looking at the news, realizing what's the source of this. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're, mess- they're messengers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, they deserve their punishment, and don't worry, they are going to get it. But at the same point in time, we have to realize that when we stop and we get angry, we're showing that there's no HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're showing that a God doesn't exist, and we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, you know, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu exists. Number three. That's Kisa, that's in the pocket. That's how do you deal with others? When every single one of us heard about this massacre, it takes time to internalize, it takes time to process, but after, after all that processing, so then, then what? Like, like what happened afterwards? Like, what did you do? How did you step up? How did you deal with others? You know, and I want to speak about this the way the Jewish nation did, and I want to speak about the way the non-Jews, uh, you know, dealt with this. So, we know the Jewish nation, uh, you know, it's really unbelievable. We spoke about this many times, and I feel like it deserves to be spoken about every single time, is the amount of achtas that just came out of this is unparalleled, unbelievable, and it just keeps on growing. It, it's really amazing. The, the, Unity that and and just to understand how bad it was so bad beforehand and it went 180 degrees and how it became so amazing now it's really unbelievable it's really unbelievable the level of actors and unity we 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 you know we 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 reached you had these these restaurants that were anti-God, anti-religion, they went and they kashered their kitchen so they could give food to the Israeli soldiers. There are many Israeli soldiers that they say to this day they haven't eaten. They haven't eaten food from the army. All they eat is just from all these restaurants. These like amazing, delicious meals. Now, is that going to save anything? Is that going to change the world? Is that going to, you're feeding the soldiers. The soldiers are going to have food without this thing. Well, so what is this? Why is this so beautiful? Why is it so important? Because it shows the soldiers. It says, we're here with you. Every single one, from the religious people to the secular people and to everyone in between. People that are pro-God, the people that are anti-God. They're telling the soldiers, we are brothers and we are sisters and we are here with you. We care about you. And that's what you see everywhere around the world. I haven't been to a shul that hasn't said Kapitel to Helen for, for what's going on in Eretz Israel. And nobody needs to say why we're saying to Helen. Everybody knows exactly why. After the, 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 the tefillah, the, you say Kapitel to Helen. No one asks, everybody does it. We came, you, you see the, the, the beautiful videos on how you have secular and, and religious people sitting together and singing songs about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Songs about Am Yisrael, about the, the nation that we are. And I'll tell you why this is so important. In Parshas Shemais, Moshe Rabbeinu struck down the Egyptian who was uh, beating Jewish slaves. Uh, he was beating a Jewish slave, and he Moshe Rabbeinu took care of him and basically, you know, uh, you know, got rid of him. And the next day, he saw two Jews, Dustin and Aviram, and one was raising their hand to hit the other. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Wait a minute! Why are you going to go and hit your friend?" He said, "Why are you going to hit your friend?" So you know what one of them responded? One of them responded, it says, who pointed you the leader? Who made you the boss of us? Who decided that you're the one who's going to decide what's my, what, what I do? And you know what Moshe Rabbeinu responded to that? Now I know. Now he knows what? Rashi says, says, now I know why the Jewish people are in exile. He says, look at the Lush and Hara that's going around. Look at the, look at the evil speech. They're not, look how they're not careful with their speech. He says, now I know, now I know why there is 
a exile and why the Jewish people are in exile. In fact, the Medrash on Huma goes on further and says that when he takes it, take, the, the Medrash brings in a little bit of a different angle, that you have Lashon Hara, now that you have Lashon Hara, so how are you going to be redeemed? Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu saw it, according to Rashi, that that is the, that is the reason why they're in exile. The Medrash says, because they speak now, how are they going to get out of the exile? And Moshe Rabbeinu felt that this was enough. The Lashon Har is enough to hold off the redemption. Hold off the redemption from, uh, from, from Yitzhak and Shayim. And we see this in the Gemara, in the Talmud Yerushalmi, that tells us that in David Amalek's generation, everyone was tzaddikim. Everyone was righteous. But because they were informers, they had machlokas, they didn't get along. When they went out to war, they fell in battle. But Ahav's generation, which was full of idolaters, Ahav was not a good king. And they were full of, of people that, the Jewish people that were serving idolatry. But yet when they went to war, they, they came with victory. They didn't lose soldiers. You want to know why? Because they had unity. They had peacefulness. Even though they had idolatry. Even though they had worse than secular people. They had people that were going against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. They were, had people that were going and worshipping other gods. Still, they were able to succeed in the victory because they had unity. Unity is what caused the redemption out of Yitzhak and Tzrayim, out of Egypt. And unity is what's going to bring the future redemption with Mashiach. And listen to something that I, that I just heard today. from, from I heard it from Rabbi Breidowitz and he quoted it from the Sfas Emes. We know in Pesach we say, this is a famous song that now became famous after Shweki started saying, yeah, I believe Shweki was the first song, maybe it was someone before that. The translation is that this, this, which is referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Torah, is what kept our, fo- our fathers from, and, uh, for, and us from surviving. Not only did they w- try to destroy us, but every single generation they tried to destroy us, but God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, stands up and saves us from them. But listen to the way this Fasa MS explains it's so beautiful, amazing. says this Fasa MS, you want to know why they rose up? To destroy us, they want to destroy us. Shalai echad belvad, because we were not echad. Shalai echad, we were not one, we are not united. Then amad alenu lechaleseinu. That's why the nations of the world wanted to go get up and go and, 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 and destroy us. And we see this all, this story in Purim as well. The, 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 you know, the story in Purim. Haman goes over to Achishverosh. Yeshnei am echad mufuras. There is a nation that's spread out. Mikol amim, all around the nations. They're spread out. And Haman was telling Ahasuerus, now we can destroy them because they don't have the unity. And that's why Mordechai had to go and says, go and bring everybody together. You want to defeat the enemy? We need unity. We need to have the achdos. And I'm saying the reason why I'm bringing this up again and again is because when, right away, when you, when you have that, when, when you have that pain, when you have that common enemy, everybody unites. But we have to make sure that it, that it gets stronger and it doesn't get weaker and slowly, slowly dissipates over time. So you want to know how Jewish people responded to this massacre? They responded with unity. The woman went, even religious, not religious, and they started ripping up the immodest clothing. They started dressing modestly. There was a, there, there was a girl who went to college, never came from a secular, more of a secular background, decided that now she's going to start putting on a skirt. When all anti-Semitism is on a rise, now she's going to put up a skirt, on a skirt. People started keeping Shabbos. People started davening. People are learning extra. People are sending money. You're sending money to Hatzalah. You're sending money to all, area, to all areas. And I got to put it in over here because if you haven't sent any money, it's very difficult. You don't know where to send money to. So I have to say, if you don't know where to send money to, I'll tell you right now what you should be doing is you should go to dailygiving.org. Daily Giving is an amazing organization. It's an organization where you give a dollar a day and they give to different organizations every single day. Now they've been giving to different organizations in Israel. You don't know where you're going to go start giving to all this. They do all the work for you. You give them a dollar and they have collectively, I don't know where they up to fifteen thousand dollars made more, and they have other you know funds that they're they're giving they they've been giving millions of dollars, and they will continue to give millions and millions of dollars to tzedakah. You could be a part of that. You don't know. It's so simple. You sign up and let them do the rest for you. One dollar a day, a dollar a day, and they take care of everything. Got to also say, <laughs> say that <clears throat> and, uh, um, there is a new safer that came out. 
called Daily Aliyah. Daily Aliyah was written by my cousin, Shlomo Ressler. Um, I have to... Uh, I really have it over here. I really should have uh, shown it. I wasn't planning, whatever. But he was also very involved in uh, in starting daily giving. And right now, this first of all, besides the fact that if you buy this the safer, all the money goes directly to daily giving. It doesn't get anything. All the money goes directly to uh, to daily giving. But it's a, it's a it's a beautiful idea. It's daily aliyah. Every single day you learn a little bit. It's like a paragraph about the aliyah of the day, meaning that every single day you learn something takes you maybe forty five seconds to read that, and it's beautiful. It's a lesson. It's what you learn for it. Strongly, strongly recommend uh, to go and to check it out. Daily aliyah. Anybody wants, you could uh, email me and I'll send you a link for it. Uh, there's also, if anybody wants, there's a WhatsApp group where you could, where, where he posts this stuff also. If anybody wants, you could uh, reach out to me for that. But in any case, this is what the Jewish people did. They went and they started giving. And they went and they started doing extra for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They started davening more. They started putting on tefillin. They started keeping shops. They started doing all these, all, all these things. <clears throat> you know, just to tell you the essence of what a Jew is. I read the story this week. Where you, um, there was a, uh, um, a, a Jewish guy in the, one of the settlements over there in the, in the kibbutzim. Uh, his name was Benny Hassan. He <coughs> has a kibbutz near the Gaza border. <coughs> and the way that the terrorists, the, 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 the things that they did, they, when they barged in, they started shouting IDF, IDF. So people will come out thinking that is the, the Israeli Defense Force and they'll come out and be like, no, we're right over here. And when the people came out, they shot them and they killed them. Meaning they were using it as a tactic to get everybody out so that they could kill them. So they started screaming at it. And he saw this, you know, this was happened. You know, he saw them throwing a grenade into his house. Thank God it didn't explode. He sat in, in, in a safe room in his house for 22 hours and he could hear, he, he spoke Arabic. He could hear it. You know, the, the terrorists plotting and saying kill the Jews and whatever, they're screaming to each other. When the ID, when the real IDF came into his house at 4 a.m., the soldiers again, they yelled IDF, IDF, because that's what they do. They yell that and then people know that it's really the, it's, it's Israeli army and it's safe to come out. And the, the, this Benny Hassan, he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure, like, is this really the IDF or is this again the terrorists that were just screaming IDF, IDF? So he didn't want to come out, so he started screaming back at them. He's like, complete this sentence. Shema Yisrael. And then there was, the soldiers responded, Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. Then he opened the door. He says, you want to know, I, I don't know if these soldiers, if this person was religious, was not religious. But you know what everybody knows? Everybody knows, you know what a Jew is? At a time of, of, of like, when you push into a corner, he didn't ask, what's the politics going on in Israel? Which side are you on? Are you side of the, the right or you side of the left? He didn't ask all, you know what he asked? Do you know how, what identified? He said the famous line, the line that a baby is said right when they're born, the line when a person says right before they pass away, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. Know that this is our God and there's only one. This is what he said to the to the soldiers, and that's how he identified what is a Jew and what is not a Jew. Now we know that the Jewish side, obviously, if you're Jewish, you're siding with Israel. It's kind of obvious. Well, I shouldn't say it's kind of obvious because there are twisted people out there that still somehow side with Hamas. Again, if you check their lineage, I, I, there's got to be something off over there. There is. Uh, I, I, someone sent me a video today. Um, a publisher, a news from a newspaper. A, you know, not not a good newspaper. Let's just call it in Israel. She sat there and she was crying. You know what? She was crying. She couldn't believe at the what was going on in Gaza. Not one. Not one like tear for her brothers and Jew. Again, I don't know if you, you know what's really going on in her lineage, but not one tear for the massacre, the brutal murder of over fourteen hundred Jewish people. That she didn't cry about. She cried about for the terrorists. That's who she cried about. So of course you have those twisted people, and you can't, you know, people that are twisted. You can't, whatever. There's something wrong with them. You can't, you can't really, you know, you can't really deal with that. But overall, we know the Jewish people. They side with Israel. That's obvious. But what happens when you look at the world at large? When you look at world at large, which way do they side on? Now, what we spoke about last week is that it didn't matter who, doesn't matter who they side on because we have to trust in a Gaddish Baruch and that still stands true. But I want to go and want to bring this out a little bit and on a different angle where they side on and why it makes a difference. Not per se for us, but really more for them. 
on the first Tuesday after the attack. So the attack happened on Shabbos. Um, that Monday was a uh, some uh, holiday, I believe it was Columbus Day. And the, that Tuesday was the first day that people went back to colleges. And when the first day they came back to colleges, there were rallies, there were riots, and people would think, okay, rallies and riots, right? Supporting Israel, supporting the massacre, you know, like, you know, saying that we should end all this the death. But no, it was rally and it was riots for supporting Hamas. And, the, and many Jewish kids, they, they literally, they, 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 when they were interviewed, they were like, we're, we're afraid to go to class. We, like, after what we saw over here. The, and these are the same liberal students who scream words are violence, you know, and silence is violence. These are the same people who look for equal rights for everyone. And they look for, uh, uh, the, the hashtag Me Too movement. Apparently not if it's women that are murdered in, and, and, and who knows what in Israel. Only for, I guess, certain people, I guess, because there was no hashtag Me, move, Me Too movement in, uh, for, for what happens for the woman in Eretz Israel. The, they were so careful with microaggression. Forget about like, just microaggression. That was so, they were calling out anybody who's against transgender, LGBTQ. This is what they were worried about. Oh, the well, you know, they were like so good people. They were helping the world. They were very supportive of the terrorist. Words are violence. What about bullets? Bullets are not, uh, not. They came out supporting the terrorists. And by the way, this already started even before. Israel did a, a massive retaliation, which is only going to get worse for them. It, th- this is before it came out, meaning that it was just a one-sided attack for the most part at this point. And people came out, these people that scream about same rights, about going and micro about love for everyone, they scream and they protested in, for, the, for the terrorists. The hypocrisy... It's like when I was looking at this, I was like, oh, okay, we're dealing with people that are just not 100%. Like, is there another way to understand this? Just not 100%. There's the hypocrisy is unbelievable. You look at the, the protests in England. The protests in England, if you saw what was going on, you better Nazi, but, but, uh, better Nazi, better Nazi sounds like the same thing. They were actually Nazis. So, uh, the, the, in England, they were screaming. They weren't screaming pro uh you know palestine or things like that they were screaming directly very very choice words against jews that the rally was about jews and that and you and you see them on loudspeaker screaming this profanity against against jews mind you it's the same country in england where somebody got arrested for posting something negative posting something negative about transgender so here you have people in a microphone in a car, driving down the street with other people, you know, chanting it, screaming against the Jewish people, very, very, very racial slurs, very, very bad things, no problem. But the second you post something on social media against trans, oh my gosh, we gotta do, you know, we gotta arrest, and they arrested them. Can you believe the hypocrisy? Like, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really, it's almost, I, I, it's gotta, it's, when it gets too crazy, it's like, okay, this is a joke, right? Like, you can't be serious at this point in time. These are the same left liberal kids who support everyone. They also support murdering babies, apparently. And this is not just about abortion. This is after they were born. The majority, and this is this is a scary fact. This is a scary poll that the majority of eight from the ages eighteen to twenty four say that the Hamas massacre was justified. Like I don't know what they, I don't know if they know what's what what went on over there. I, I cannot and I will not say what what went on. Uh, I, I'm sure people know what went on, but I guarantee you don't know all the details. And you know, I've had people that send me like like they have access to things, and I've seen uh, seen things that I wish nobody else should ever have to see or even need to see of what they actually did to these women and children. It's it's not forget about it, animals. Don't behave like that. Like calling them an animal is like a step up. It's beyond that. And yet it's justified. I don't know what, even if we would just stop at beheading babies, if we just stopped at burning babies alive, if we would just stop there, I don't think anything would ever justify that. Anything. But they did a lot worse than that. Like, like it's, it's unbelievable what, how far, how far they went. And yet you have people that are supporting this. And they're rallying for this, and they're proud about it, and they go on the, and, and they make rallies in their colleges. Just to go through a few colleges. 
These are the Ivy League colleges. Harvard University, this is a day after, a day after the attack, there was a coalition of 34 student groups. Granted, some of them redacted, you know, they, they changed it afterwards. But at the end of the day, 34 student groups signed a letter that Israel was entirely responsible for the terrorism, which left 1,400 of their own citizens, uh, you know, dead. Israel was responsible for the beheading and the burning of, of little children, of the torture and the mutilation of bodies. Israel was the one who was responsible for that. And this is Harvard University. This is one of the most, uh, uh, you know, high, this is, uh, when you look at, like, you want to look at a resume and be like, oh, wow, which school do you went to? Harvard is right up, well, now it was shot down. But beforehand, it was like, oh, you went to Harvard. It must be like something very, very chashif. NYU, you know what happened in NYU? You had students over there that, what, you know, people went over there and they started posting all the kidnapped, you know, children and, and women and other, and men, uh, you know, like the, these are the people, the 222, uh, people that were, or whatever number were holding on at this point that were kidnapped by, by Hamas. And you had students over there that went and they ripped down these posters. Like, you know, like, are you kidding me? Like there's posters of kidnapped children. Why are you ripping it down? How could somebody be be so like, like that? That's such a aggressive, you know, uh, move that it, you know, like what's the what's the mindset behind that? Like you don't gain anything from that. Like where where is the reasoning behind that? And if that wasn't enough, there was a rally in NYU, and there was a rally today, and they had signs. This was pure Nazi style signs in New York, rallying right at at. at the, the Jewish kids, they're scared to go to these classes. And right next door to them, there's somebody right next door. Forget about it next door. The sitting right next to them it could be there's a person that just wants them dead. And this is in America. This is the land of the free, right? Free speech. You got to thank that for, you know, for that, where you have somebody right next to very clearly say, yeah, I want all Jews dead. And no, nobody, free speech. We got to, you know, I don't know where they put the line. George Washington University. They projected a message that says, glory to our martyrs. That is glorifying the terrorist that murdered the men, women, and children and mutilated them, these men, women, and children. And then they had signed Free Palestine from the river to the sea, which we all know that it means to get rid of all the Jews. This is what's going on in the colleges around America. And there are, you know, I would say, can you blame them? And the answer is yes. But where do they get a lot of this information? They get it from their professors. Cornell, there was a professor that called the Hamas ta- attack exhilarating and energizing. Direct quote, exhilarating and energizing. Columbia prof- uh, professor called it the terror attacks awesome. This is a Columbia professor. Yale University there was another professor. Let me give you this delicious quote of nonsense. Israel is a murderous, genocidal settler state, and Palestine have every right to resist through armed struggle and solidarity. Well, armed struggle, comma, solidarity. So, it's for these people, this is right after the massacre. This is what they came out with. It was, you know, like, no one hid what happened. Like, everybody knows exactly what happened during this massacre, not to all the details, but they know in general this is what happened. And you know how everybody knows? Because Hamas showed it. They had their GoPros, and they showed it to everybody. And they were, it's as if they're like telling them, this is what we did. And the liberal left, you know, not a 100 percenters, I don't know what you call them, you, these are the people that are like, no, you didn't do that. And they're like, no, 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 we did. We, we have video proof for it. No, I don't know. They're like, Lush and Hara, Namikaba, la, 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 la. Like, what are they? Are you kidding me? They're showing you what they did. They're telling you what they did. Do you really have proof for that? I, I don't know. I haven't seen any proof for that. The, yeah. Okay, fine. You know, like, you know, I'll get the people, the white coats. They need to get you because obviously you're missing some stuff over there. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, how do you be- begin to understand it? And it wasn't just this. You know, the, the Chicago pre- professor, the School of Art, said they called Israel, Israelis are pigs, very bad people, irredeemable, irredeemable excrement. These are exact quotes of what these college professors are calling the, the Jewish state after the Jewish state w- – the Jewish people had the most, the worst attack that they ever had since the Holocaust. We don't have to go through all the colleges, but just to name some other colleges 
at Stanford University, University of California, University of Pennsylvania, and Brown University. And now what's happening is all of a sudden the progressive Jews, the Jews that spent years supporting racial equality, the Jews that, that, that unfortunately so left that they were supporting all these transgender rights and the abortion rights, and they were opposing even Israeli policies in Gaza. They were opposing it, but all of a sudden they saw, wait a minute, like now you guys are going to have to side with the other side, like the Jews after all this, and they saw... These lefty Jews saw, like, wait a minute, even now you're going against it? All of a sudden, they're like, you know, like, it was like a shock to them. Like, I thought you were my friends. I thought, these are the, we, we march together in so many times. This is, this is an article that was, was, was uh, brought down and now a no longer reputable, you know, uh, uh, website anymore, but it used to be at some point, I don't know when, New York Times. New York Times, the most liberal left wrong anti-Semitic, you know, uh, um, yeah newspaper came out with this information that they had people reach out to them and be like we, we, we don't know who to, we don't know what's going on our friends these are the left liberal jews they're like our friends that we thought we stood by you through everything we thought now you're going to side with us and now all of a sudden there's going to be there's a divide and now these lefty liberal jews are all of a sudden waking up and be like wait a minute so you don't fo- you don't we don't have the same beliefs we don't follow the same mindsets we don't have the same thoughts about everything and this the scary part is, is where we're sending our children. This is where we're, some of us are, are, are studying. This is where we're studying. In these colleges, with this information, with these professors, we have to be very, very careful where you send your kids. And if you want to say, you know, maybe they don't know all these rallies, most of them don't really know, they know. And I'll tell you how I know they know, is because they wear masks. Why do you wear masks? If you think what you're doing is right, most of them, if you ever look at these rallies, they're wearing masks, right? They're not worried about, you know, getting the flu or getting COVID or whatnot. They're worried about being, you know, they don't want their faces to be associated with it because they know what they're doing is wrong. And even though they know what they're doing is wrong, they're still siding with it. There was one NYU student who blamed Israel like days after the attack that Israel bears full responsibility. She was going to get a, you know, a job. They quickly like removed her from, uh, you know, the job that she was going to get. But she was interviewed today by ABC and uh, another news uh, organization. And um, uh, they, they kept on asking her, do you change anything about your, would you change anything about your statement? Because she spoke very, very derogatory about Israel right after Israel got like massacred, uh, you know, men, women and children. And uh, she said, you know, like I'm paraphrasing, but she said, no. And then they asked her, do you condemn Hamas for what they did? And she responded, it's very obvious and clear on whom I condemn in my message that I posted. And this news, they, they were literally trying to give her an opening to like be a little bit moral and make a little bit of sense. And they asked him several, several, they even asked him, do you have at least empathy for the Israelis? She wouldn't even have any empathy for the babies that were murdered. This is a woman, I don't know if she's Muslim, she does not look Muslim. I, this is a woman from America in NYU law school who went so strong against Israel right after the massacre and even after the fact that she lost everything and she's going to continue to lose everything, she even could not bring herself to say that, yeah, what they did was wrong. There is no, all these rallies, all these, the, no one's calling for Hamas to be removed. No one's calling for a healthy Palestinian state. That's not where they're... They're calling for a removal of Jews. Listen to this. Secretary of State Anthony uh, Anthony Blinken um, said that there is about 600 Americans in Gaza. And they told these Americans, go to the border by Egypt and go out through there. And you know what happens when the Americans came over there? Hamas didn't let them leave. Hamas is not letting anybody leave. They are, they're not only terrorizing Israel, they're terrorizing the Gaza State. They're not letting them out. Why is no left media screaming about this? Let the people, they're, an open air prison is though, what they're calling Gaza. So then let people leave. Americans are there. Why don't you let them leave? And if you don't, if, okay, they're not letting them leave. So why do you not met? How many of every single one of you that is listening to right now who's following the news, how many of you, you heard about that? Which newspapers did you read that in? Like, why isn't this, why is it only shown the negative aspect of what happened to, you know, in, in Israel? Where's the negative aspect of what they're doing to their own? And you think, okay. So Islam is siding with Islam. Jews are siding with Jews. But it's not, but it, first of all, 
Islam is not signing with Islam because according to Islamic law, you're not allowed to kill children and women during war. Even the terrorists that were captured, that went on this murder rampage, the, the massacre, they were captured and they were interviewed by uh, the Israeli um, the, the Israeli forces. And they were asked, is this allowed to an Islam? And they said straight out no. And they say what, what they tell us in the in the Quran and the most, in the mosque is one thing and then what they tell us at war is, an, is something else. And they said straight out this is not allowed according to Islamic law. So how come you don't have any Islamic people, any Islamic, you know, countries that are calling out this is not what Islam stands for? Islam stands for peace. They should say Islam stands why are you no one calling that? You know people should people should chant free Palestine. They should chant that. And they should end it from Hamas. Free Palestine from Hamas. Because Hamas is not good. Not for the Jews and not for the Palestinian. Yet people don't talk about that. And in fact, there's a poll by the Palestinian News Network. This is not in Gaza. This is in the West, in, in East Jerusalem. That ninety three percent of Arab residents that live in East Jerusalem prefer to live under Israeli government than the Palestinian Authority. So all these people that are chanting "Free Palestine," just re- look a little bit why in, and and who wants that? Even the Palestinians, they have more rights and freedom in Israel than they have anywhere else in the Middle East. Whether it's right or it's wrong is a different you know topic for a different class. But the bottom line is, look how far off people are. And you know all these, you know, uh, people that care about ceasefire. I haven't seen one place where they're screaming for a ceasefire that it says release the hostages. Where these rallies say you know free Palestine and free the hostages. No one says that. All it's it's always like a, like kind of like a one sided uh, one sided uh, um, focus. This shows us how careful we have to be. These are the people that we live with. This is people in America. These are pe- these, these are the colleges that are around the corner. These are co- these are Ivy League colleges that people pay tens of thousands of dollars per year to go to. And this is where people send their kids to go to. Now, why is this so imperative? We see this even in, in this week's parsha. In this week's parsha, the story of Sarah and Hagar. Sarah was not able to have children, we know. So she suggested to Avram, her husband, that he should marry Hagar. And Hagar became pregnant quickly. And she begins, Hagar begins mistreating Sarah. So, you know, not treating her nicely now that she became pregnant. So Sarah goes over to Avram and he says, you gotta do something about this. So Avram says, you know, listen, you're my wife, do whatever you uh, please with uh, with her. So Sarah retaliates, let's call it, and starts treating Hagar, you know, uh, um, you you know, like uh, harshly. So Hagar goes and runs away. Kind of like Misa of Isabelabanim, right? The Palestinians, they go and they destroy and they kill the Jewish people and the Jewish people come retaliate and the Palestinians are like, no, but why are you doing it? Hey, you know, like, I can't, you have to stop. You know, like, like the ridiculous mindset. But in any case, so, uh, so Hagar runs away. An angel of Hashem finds Hagar and says, where are you uh, coming from and where are you going? So she says, you know, I'm, I'm coming from, you know, from, you know, I'm running, and I'm running away from, uh, from Sarah. So the Malach says that you should go and return to Avram and Sarah. No matter how miserable it is, you should return over there. So asks her, my friend, what's with this dialogue? Like, how do we understand this dialogue? So the Sephorno ex- explains that the angel is telling, the angel is telling Hagar, who are you running away from? You're running away from Avram Avinu. You know the schus, you know the merit of being in the house of Avram. It's better off that you stay over there because of the merit that comes because of Avram. But she responds, but I can't take it anymore. So the Malach says, still go back anyway. No matter how bad it is, the merit there is worth it. That's what the, that's how the Sephardim explains it. But listen to the way the altar, the altar from Kalm, of Simchazisel goes and explains it. He says that the Malach, the, the Hagar was, was responding to the Malach, and he says, you know, you don't have to worry. I'm able to go anywhere. I, I'm coming from the house of Avram. I lived over there and I know, I know the, the dangers of the world. I know that I am now immune to negative influences because I'm coming from Avram. And forget about wherever I run from, I could run to because I have that history. I have that training from Avram Avinu. So the angel responds to Hagar, Hagar, you're wrong. You're very, very wrong. No matter how many years you spent in the house of Avram, such an environment will negatively affect you. A person's environment always has an effect on them. Today, you could have a certain belief system that's straight and the right way, but no one can say that I'm immune. By tomorrow, you could be completely distorted. And the best proof of this is light. 
We know that light followed Avram Avinu from Haran to Canaan, then to Egypt, and then back to Canaan. Avram was, and Lot, he was very close, very close. Yet when Lot ran off to Sadaim, his value system completely turned around. And this is what Chacham and the Chazal are teaching us. You could be, you could be raised in the house of Avram. You could have that, but once you go to Sadaim, you, all bets are off. You, that training, you're gonna be affected by your surrounding. No person is immune from his environment. They are affected by their friends. They're affected by their peers. They're affected by the neighbors. They're affected by the coworkers. They are especially affected by the colleges that they attend. A person who says, I'm strong, it won't affect me, it's wrong. You're going to be affected. And this is what the Malach, the angel, was telling Hagar. Go back to Avram. No matter how miserable it is, you cannot win if the environment is bad. If it's bad, the slope is very, very slippery. And explains our friend how many times in life we experience these tests, these temptations, and we say to ourselves, I can handle it. I'm strong enough. There's no such thing. We are very, very, very much, and this is, you know, we're so dependent on our environment. No matter how strong you are, you are dependent. And that's why not only you have to be careful which colleges you go to, if you go to colleges, but you have to also be careful where you're living, what city you're living, what's your environment, who are your neighbors, what's the shul that you're davening, which school you're sending your kids to. We see this with Noah and the flood, that it didn't know, it affected the environment so much that even the animals were affected. Even the earth was affected. That's why the whole world had to be put in a, in a mikvah, in a marble. The whole world was covered. The whole, whole world was affected by it. Because we're very affected by our surroundings. And this is the fourth lesson. That no one is immune from the outside influences. Whatever you look at, whatever you see, whatever you listen to, whatever you watch, you are going to be affected. And this is what colleges are teaching. This is what's going on in the universities. This is, we always knew that it was, it was liberal, but we didn't realize how bad it was until now. And this is why I'm bringing it, you know, specifically in this year. We have to realize on what the world around us is. If we don't protect ourselves, we are going to, it's a very, very slippery slope. And the, le- the lesson number four is be careful of your surroundings. Be careful who your friends are. Be careful who your kids' friends are. Be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who your kids hang out with. Be careful where you send your kids. Be careful which school you go to. Be careful which school you go to. We don't realize how this affects us so much. And this is one of the lessons that we learned from this week's parasha. That even, even if you had, you can get better than being taught by none other than Avram Avinu. You can't get better than that. Avram Avinu literally lived in the world by himself. He was Eved Ivri. He was the other one. He was the one on the other side of the river. He was the one that not only that, if he knows how to tra- train you to live by yourself in the, against all odds, it will be only Avram. But yet even so, says the, says the angel, the angel says, you are not immune, Hagar. Go back. It's worth, whatever the difficulties are, go back because it's not, it's a very, very slippery slope. So now, we have to look at, we see that, that people are splitting, the world is splitting. To which side? There's a side of good and there's a side of evil. The Gemara says that in Avodazara, Page three a that the the non Jewish nations they will complain to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They say, "Listen, you didn't give us Torah mitzvahs. You know the Jewish people they received the Torah. You didn't give it to us." Hakadosh Baruch Hu's response: "So you could have gone and checked. You could have gone and converted. You could have gone and be a Noahide. You could have done so many. Why didn't you check?" And Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to respond that only one who prepares before Shabbos will have what to eat on Shabbos. Meaning that a Jewish person that keeps Shabbos, if they want to eat cooked foods on Shabbos, they have to prepare before Shabbos. So too, if you want to go and 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 have something in the next world, you have to prepare for something in this world. Nevertheless, as Hakadosh Baruch Hu, even though you should have looked, and even though you should have, you know, done your research, and you should have, you know, done the right thing, nevertheless, I will give you a mitzvah. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives them the mitzvah of sukkah, and the non-Jews will go and they will build the sukkah. And then what Hakadosh Baruch Hu does is that he will take the sun, the the covering of the sun off, and the sun is going to beat very, very hard down on the sukkah, and it's going to get very hot. And the the the, the Gentiles of the world are going to get out of the sukkah, and they're going to kick the sukkah, and then they're going to go out. And the question that all the commentaries ask, they're like, wait a minute, 
if there's there's halacha that hametzdayer patam in a sukkah, if somebody is going through a difficult time in the sukkah, if it's raining, if it's too hot to, to, a, cer- to a certain level, you're patu. You don't have to stay in the sukkah. You could go into your house. So meaning a Jew and a non-Jew, doesn't matter if you're in the sukkah and it's too difficult and you're not able to go and withstand it for whatever reason, whether it's cold, whether it's hot, whatever the reason is, when it's when it's a real, really difficult, you don't have to stay in the sukkah. So a Jew and a non-Jew, they both leave the sukkah. So what's the difference? The difference is that a Jew leaves the sukkah thinking, oh, I wish I could stay in the sukkah. I would love to stay in the sukkah. I want to stay in the sukkah. What can I do? It's raining. It's pouring. I, I, I can't. A non-Jew goes and he kicks the sukkah. Why do they kick the sukkah? When they kick the sukkah, that shows their true intention all along. That I never wanted to do this. I have no intention of all of this. And a Jew's intention is I always wanted to do this. Because when you're pushed into a corner, all of a sudden you see what the true intention was. What the true intention was all along. And let's take this a step further. In the Gemara and Shabbos, page 33b. Rabbi Yehuda says, He's making a discuss uh, the, the, on a discussion of the what the the, the Romans uh, had done, and he says, "Look how how fine the works of these people. They have made streets, they have built bridges, they have made bathhouses." Rabbi Yosi heard this and he was silent. Rabbi Shimon Bayechai answered, "Wait a minute." He says, "All this? He says, well, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's very nice, but they did it all for themselves. They built the marketplaces for themselves. They built the baths for themselves. They built the bridges so they could have tolls. They did it all for themselves." Now, this information, this conversation, was leaked to the government, and the government heard about this. So he said, "Yehuda, who went and praised the government, he is going to be raised. Rabbi Yehuda was going to be raised. Rabbi Yaisi, who was going and he was silent, he didn't say anything negative. He didn't say anything positive. He's going to be exiled." But Rabbi Shimon Bayechai, who went and he spoke against the government, he is going to be executed. And the Gemara Navodazara, page 2b, tells us that in the future, the Roman Empire is going to be called on to explain itself before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to say, with what did you occupy yourself? And they said, oh, we made marketplaces, we made bathhouses, we did so much. And we did it only for the Jewish people. This is what we did it for. So they could occupy themselves with the study of Torah for the focus of praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to reply to them, you're foolish people. All that you've done, you've only done for your own desires. And they're going to try to show with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no, 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 we really did it for the Jewish people. And you know why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to grant them their request? Why do they want to show that they do it for the Jewish people? It says, if, if we did it for the Jewish people, this is, you're talking about the next world, where everything is very obvious. And you see that the Jewish people, they're the true nations of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and their whole focus was what? Was focusing on getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to being a light to the other nations, to going on praying and doing good deeds, and learning Torah nonstop, day and night. It says, oh, we also are, get part of this amazing reward, because we did everything only for them. And and the Bible says, you want to know why you did, I could prove to you you didn't? It's because you didn't stop harassing them. And the proof is the Gemara that we just said. He said, if anybody went and they said that, that the reason why Rabbi Shem Bayechai said they did it just for them and they responded, oh, he's going to be executed because they knew that what they did it really for themselves. If they would have said, no, 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 we really did it for you, that would have told a different story. But that's why they wanted the Dafka to execute him. So really we see over here that everything they did, they did only for themselves and nothing to do it with with, uh, with the Jews and nothing to do with helping the base. I mean, there's nothing to do with anything about Yiddish guy. Nothing to do with God, only to do with their own temptations, their own desires. We all know that we're living in an era very close to Mashiach. Mashiach is by the doorsteps. We're, we're for, by the footsteps are getting very, very loud for where Mashiach is coming. We're, we are, according to everybody, we're living in the end of days. And we see what Hashem is doing is so fascinating. He's showing everyone their true colors. Which way do you stand? People are going to come and they're going to say, oh, we, we, we did it for the Jewish people. We see the Jewish people. We see that, you know, that this is the chosen nation. We see that you are the one God. We see, and we really, we, we really should take, get a part of all the reward because we did it for you. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing now is fascinating. This is my own, my own little shot. You could agree with it or not. But you could see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making everyone choose a side. You cannot deny it. People are choosing sides. And it's not a side that they can just choosing themselves. Social media came out and now everybody's thing is very well documented. People are not embarrassed to choose evil. People are not embarrassed to choose the side of terror. And they can't say, oh yeah, we helped the Jewish people. And I have to say, you could see a lot of righteous people among the nations. That they go and they stand up for, for evil. And they stand up for terrorism. And they stand up for what's good. And they stand up for it. And those people... HaKadosh Baruch will take care of them. They will get rewarded. 
But the people that are going against the Jewish people, they can't say, oh yeah, we did everything for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We did everything for your chosen nation. We did everything. We should get part of the reward of the Torah. I listened to this fascinating idea that <clears throat> it's very interesting that if you think about it, if Trump would have been in office now, again, okay, people are going to say it would have never happened, but let's say it would have happened, and Trump would have come, came out to support Israel. People said, of course, he's very pro-Israel, um, and we're very thankful for, you know, for that. But of course, he supports Israel. Makes sense. But now you have Biden, a lefty liberal, doesn't know how to tie his own, you know, like, forget about what's going on with Biden. And he came out with such strong support. Again, it's a little bit wavering, but still, you know, fairly strong uh, support, uh, you know, for Israel. You know what the difference is? You have all these le- lefty people throughout the world. If they w- if Trump would have came out to support Israel, everybody, those lefty people, the second that he says something, they just got to go the opposite way. They don't think twice about it. They, they, they It's got to be wrong. They can't connect it. But now you have a very lefty president. You have somebody who go who is not pro-Israel for for most of his term. He didn't, you know, he gave Iran tons and tons of money. Like he, he didn't show the, the, the support for Israel like Trump did. So now all of a sudden he is coming to support Israel. Then the, 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 all of a sudden the nations of the world could be like, wait a minute, like maybe there is something over here. Like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing the nations of the world. He says, I'm making it very clear what's good and what's evil. Which side are you going to choose? If you start saying, well, I, you know, like I, Hamas is going to show you what they did. They videoed it. It showed you and they're going to document it and they're going to scream it and they're going to tell you what they did. All the, the nations, all of a sudden, you see, the world is splitting up. And one side is taking good and one side is, and you want to know what I really think? One of the main, one of the reasons that I, again, this is my own shot, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing people, to them, where are you holding? Who you are? So don't come, Mashiach is coming. And when Mashiach comes, these people can't come knocking the door and be like, oh yeah, we're on Team Israel. Yeah, you know, like, oh, we're, we're on your side. No, 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 no. You know, look at here, A, B, C, and D, this and this. We could tell exactly where you are. So the next time that you're reading and you get very frustrated and you're seeing that people are showing their true colors, don't worry about it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to make that your life mission to go and teach everybody in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to go take care of that. They're showing very clearly which side they are on. And this is the fifth lesson. And the final lesson. And that is, when we look at the news, and we look at how disruptive and how wrong so many people are, we can get upset. We can get angry. Again, we shouldn't get angry. So that's what we spoke about. But we, it could affect us. We have to realize, no, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing this. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is God. And God is showing, he's, he's making the divide and making it very obvious. And there is a reason for that. Because when Mashiach comes, it's going to be very obvious which side you're on and which side you, who gets reward and who doesn't get reward. And in our own sense, we have to really take this into our own level. Like, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is basically posting this question for all for every single person in the world, we will have the same question that we need to answer. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is asking the nations of the world, when you had a chance, again, maybe you couldn't do anything, maybe you could, but which side did you step, which side did you stand for? Which side did you step up for? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked the nations of the world, when you had a chance, did you step up to the plate? For whatever that means. But you know what? HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks that of each and every single one of us. When we had the chance, did we step up to the plate? If we come up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and be like, yeah, we, you know, we wanted to learn more. We wanted to dress more modestly. We wanted to daven better. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu would be like, so did you? When you had the opportunity, when you were pushed into the corner, what did you do? What did you do? And if we didn't do anything yet, then we have to stop for a second and be like, start taking upon yourself something. Because we're, the divide is not only for the, for the, for the nations of the world. It's also for us. Where do you stand? What did you do when this, did you start davening better? Did you start dressing more modestly? Did you stop, start learning more? All of the above? More? What did you do? Let's do a quick recap of the lessons that we learned and then we'll open up to questions. So lesson number one we spoke about out of the five lessons was self-control. We have to learn how to control our emotions. We're at this, at this day and age, the Jewish nation is very emotional. Use those emotions for good. Davin. When you have that, that, that need, that, that, that emotion, turn it to tefillah, say one cup at the hill and just davin for whatever. Lesson number two. That was 
again, again, that's because the lesson number two, because and the anger, we have to realize anger is not a place for it's it's not an emotion that Jewish people should have. This we have to realize that everything is from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Everything that happened is from God. Yes, people will will get their what's coming to them. And we have to do our Ishtadlis, but more than that, we have to realize that it's all from God. Everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Lesson number three, it, that's the kisa, that's the, the pocket. And that's how we deal, how we deal with others. We had a tragedy that happened to our brothers and sisters. How did we deal with that? Did we step up to the plate? Did we, or is our achtas going up or is it going down? Is our learning going up or going down? Where do we stand? That's lesson number three. Lesson number four is be careful of your surroundings. Look at we learned from the lesson from Hagar and Sarah and how the Malach said that it's better for Hagar to go back to Avram because the surrounding is better. And how careful we have to be with our surroundings, especially when you're dealing with colleges and we see straight out the danger. That's lesson number four. And the final lesson is that we look at the world at large. We have to realize not to be upset, not to be angry. This is all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is dividing the world into two sides. There's going to be a side of good and a side of evil. And this is the war before, uh, you know, before Mashiach. There's going to be a side of good and a side of evil. But we also have to ask ourselves, just like the world needs to step up to the plate and show where they support, we, as a Jewish nation, we also have to step up to the plate. Our support is in the spiritual ways. What did we do and how did we step up to the plate? With that, we'll open up. Oh, wait, no, we have to do our capital to home. We forgot for the, for Eretz Israel, for all the soldiers. Again, if you're listening to this on a recording, you should still say the Tehillim. For some people, people think they don't need to say the Tehillim if they are on the recording. We'll say capital Kuflamid, uh, chapter 130 in Tehillim. <speaking in Hebrew> Im avoinois tish maria adoinoimi amoid. Ki imcha slicha leman tivare. Ki visi adoinoi kif so nafshi. Vilidvaroi hoi chalti. Nafshi la doinoimi shimrim la biker. Shimrim la biker. Yachel Yisrael el adoinoi. Ki im adoinoi achesed. Vaharbei my fedus. Vahu yiftes Yisrael mikol avoinoi sav. Achenu kol beis Yisrael, hanesunim batzara uvashivya, ha'oimdim ben bayam uben bayabasha, hamakam yirachem alim, v'yitzia mitzara l'ervacha, u'me'afela l'ayra, u'mishibud l'geula hashta ba'gala b'zman kariv v'namar amen. Also forgot to mention that tonight we are. Le- I don't know if I, I. don't think I mentioned it. Tonight we're learning for first of all for refuah shleima for all the people that were hurt during this uh, brutal. You know, attack on Klalistral. And, uh, for the 1400, you know, condition that unfortunately died because they were a Jew, as well as Le Refua Shalema to Chava Batchaya Esther and to Le Ilinishmas to, uh, Ram, Rabbi Ram Ben Chaim Yehuda and Rabbi Cheskel Ben Rabbi Ram. Okay, let's open up to any, uh, questions. Um, and thank you all for joining. There's no other further questions. So until next week, or better yet, I should start finishing off that we should be, the the class should not happen. Emirates Hashem, we should greet Mashiach uh, before before next class. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.